lizards. Two wizards. And, like the spiritual world and the material world are at their like closest. Yeah, and, like, the veil is the thinnest between the two. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Pre- precisely. And and so yeah, like that's always. Yeah, I, I think that also kind of contributes to that to that ooky spooky um, feeling, and I also love it. It's just great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and more importantly, I don't know if you care as much as I do, but my birthday is in October, so <sighs> yes, this is also yeah, just one one more thing that makes October just that that much awesome. One more awesome thing, yeah. And you know what I want for my birthday in October? What's that? I want to get weird with you. I want to get weird with you as a wizard because I'm a wizard and you're a wizard and this is two wizards podcast. This is two I wizards podcast. Weird. Yeah, I want to get it's real weird. Really weird. The weirdest. Because, because, like, if nothing else, what are what are we doing here? If we're two wizards and we're playing it safe and we're not getting weird and we're not getting ooky spooky, then we shouldn't have that title. We should yeah, really no. linkish. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean. Come on, man. We did pipe tobacco. That's not weird or ooky spooky. Yes, we hit our benchmark. Yes, it happened organically and it was awesome. But it's not what I wanted. I mean, it was, I guess. But yeah. whatever. That ain't the point. Right that ain't, that's not why I'm here, Haas. Right. Yeah. I am a little bit, but not so much. But yeah. Yeah. I'm going to dive into it. I'm going to do it. So do it I want to start tonight. Yeah. I'm going to dive in. Head mm-hmm. first. Head first. going to ride a surfboard made out of I don't care down a tidal wave of whiskey. <laughs> So, and I'll start tonight with what's in my wizard's goblet. Mm. I am drinking a gin and tonic. Ooh, very nice. And on deck, I have the Odell Brewing Company's Oktoberfest, and maybe I'm saying it wrong, Marzen-style lager. That, that's the style of beer used in Oktoberfest, and it's called a Marzen because apparently that's the uh, German word for March, the month of March, and that's when, like, that first was brewing. Like, if I remember correctly, the story goes that... Um, there's some Bavarian nobility that um, it was going to have this like big, important marriage. And the marriage was going to happen in September, which was kind of a weird time to have a, a wedding anyway. But they kind of had to do it out of necessity or expediency or something like that. And so they so they turned to the sort of locals to be like, hey, we're going to have this big like wedding party. What do you have like brewing for us? And, and everybody kind of turned to each other and was like, ah, well, we, we have this thing. We started in March. And they're like, all right, giddy up. Let's do it. And so then, yeah, and then the style just kind of kind of took off from there. And so that's it's the Oktoberfest uh, Märzen beer, which is also great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Indeed. Indeed, yeah. indeed. What about you there, good sir? What's in your goblet tonight? You know, I'm I'm actually uh, I'm actually just kind of kind of playing it a little a little easy. I have with me a um a cup of sleepy time tea, oh. which uh yeah it, it, again it just kind of helps helps um oh who was this? I heard someone describe it like it just helps you land the airplane, um or it okay. it, it 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 helps you land the aircraft at night. Um but I've but I've okay. also uh spice I've 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 spiced this up a little bit. I've enlivened this a little bit. Um, with a shot of whiskey in there, so yeah. Ooh, neat. Okay. Sleep time, like like sort of a hot toddy, but not really. Um, and then yeah, just kind of help help land 
land the aircraft. Let's land this aircraft. Heck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to get weird today, Josh. Yeah, let's do it. And I want to talk about Teddy Roosevelt. One of my favorites. Mine too. And yeah. we'll just acknowledge this up top. Maybe he was a jerk. Maybe he wasn't. That's not what we're here to do today. Right. That's not our That's, that's not, not our my purview. bag, baby. Right, 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 right. Yeah. But specifically in in the vein of Teddy, mm-hmm. you know, you think about him, president, cowboy, lawman. He mustache, also has yeah. this mustache, oh, mustache, bully. Mustache, yeah, toothy grin, yeah. glasses, oh, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, really just a cool dude, like, yeah, one of my personal heroes, but <laughs> I kind of went down a weird rabbit hole, and I, I found a reoccurring theme in Teddy's life that I never knew existed, and hmm. I think a couple people might allude to it, but... It got weird. Teddy Roosevelt has a thing for cryptozoology. He just doesn't talk about it. <laughs> this is this is news to me, yeah. More specifically, he has a thing about hunting and taking down cryptids. I mean, that makes 100% Which, sense because he's like an outdoorsman and like hunting and hot stuff anyway. So, of course, he's going to bag himself a, a mothman or a chupacabra <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I want to establish real quick just how good Teddy Roosevelt was at murdering shit. <laughs> Among his many skills, like he's a polymath, yeah. man of letters, a true like jack of all trades, but especially just just murder, murder, just yeah, mur mur murder. Yes. So number one, he claims to have killed one of every big game animal on the North American continent. Oh yeah, yeah. which okay. I, I mean, there's a lot of hunters that pull that off. Not not so great, right? Sure, I mean, yeah, big that's... big deal. But so then, in 1909, he went on a safari with his son Kermit to start collecting species for the Smithsonian. That was his big thing. Like as a kid, he was real sickly, but he found out about taxidermy, so he would like kill birds and then stuff them. And before long, he had this whole menagerie of like dead shit in his house. <laughs> he got into taxidermy because he bought a dead seal body and stuffed it. Like it was. But maybe it's weird, and maybe because he was rich, he became president and not Jeffrey Dahmer. I'm not here for that. <laughs> but so, on this trip in Africa, we're just going to... I got this list right or directly out of uh, the 2010 book, African Game Trails, an account of the African wanderings of an American hunter-naturalist. So, just first off, Teddy Roosevelt killed nine lions. Kermit Roosevelt killed eight. Okay, that's that's pretty good for a father-son duo. Yeah, right. So probably just taking out the whole family there. Um, <laughs> he killed five hyenas. His boy killed four. He killed mm-hmm. eight elephants. Um, and it breaks down here into a couple different ones. Uh, at least 13 rhinoceros. Oh, wow. Seven hippopotamus. Eight warthog. 15 zebra. He's just like plinking zebra out the side Jeez, of the window. Yeah. Like... <laughs> it's like dual wielding like some, some either matrix or like john john wick uh kind of absolutely yeah <laughs> he killed five of something called a big or gravy zebra so all told he killed 15 zebra he killed oh, wow. seven giraffes and six buffalo like <laughs> and then it goes on to list this insane amount of like all the weird antelopes he killed and the birds <laughs> and just for funsies he killed one crocodile and three pythons <laughs> no like i was expecting like 
okay, like maybe one of this and a couple of these. But no, this guy was like consistently double digits on <laughs> two ostriches and a pelican as well. Like, oh my god, Teddy Roosevelt could kill shit. <laughs> like, he's probably I would call him the most prolific hunter of our time. And I read oh, a yeah. stat somewhere, and I don't know where it was because I, dude, I have done this weird mega dump of Teddy Roosevelt in the last like week and a half. <laughs> but um. It said if you go to a museum and you look at, like, the taxidermied animals on the East Coast, there's a mm-hmm. good chance it's going to be a Teddy Roosevelt special. <laughs> you know, the old TR special. Which is so weird to me that, like, in 1909, the, the mood was, well, we don't have elephants in America, so I'll shoot one in the fucking head and I can show it to everybody. <laughs> Which I guess is kind of altruistic if you just don't care about animals. Yeah, and, it's, again, it's I don't the... want to get into the, the like, the the goodness or badness of hunting is just right, the ethics it's a of it. weird mindset, you know? Right. Well, and, and even I'm, I'm, I'm remembering, uh, I took a, I took a class on like theater during like the modern period, like 1800s, kind of something like that. This was the time where like museums and, um, even like a lot of zoos or like conservatories, um, or these things that they would call like living museums would mm-hmm. like kind of bro would, 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 would kind of pop up and get really popular. And it was, it was either like, Hey, let's like capture a bunch of stuff. Or and, and like show it off, or short of that, let's just kill a bunch of stuff and then show that off. And yeah, uh, yeah like I'm, I'm sure it did inspire because this was also when when Darwin uh, was kind of doing his thing and had all of his research. So so yeah, like there there were some kind of really important yeah, like, things that came out of it. But then also yeah, it's, it's also really shitty that we're just going around shooting things in the face. Yeah, and now that you've mentioned it, I remember, like, Darwin had some insane kill count on birds. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll just very kind of gingerly pick up the, like, pot about the ethics of hunting. And then we're going to set that right down because, going back to Teddy Roosevelt. Yes, going back to Teddy Roosevelt. The man was awesome. And, I, again, I, I don't want to make this a Teddy Roosevelt hour. But I, I learned so much neat stuff about him that I didn't even realize, like, but the most impressive, and I knew about the hunting stuff, but, like, he was also a huge outdoors enthusiast. He loved to be out in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. He was a cattle rancher and, like, spent a ton of time out on his cattle ranch. I heard this story where this cowboy walks into the bar, pulls a gun on Teddy, and goes, hey, this guy's buying everybody drinks. And everyone cheers, and you know, the projected scenario is Teddy buys them all drinks, and instead he wheels around and nails a dude in the jaw and breaks it. Like, <laughs> just like, what a fucking, what a, what an awesome guy. Yeah, man, that's I've, so... I've been, like, horned up for Teddy now for two weeks, like. He's, if there's ever someone to get horned up uh, about, yeah, like, like it has to be Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, and, and top, I bring up the... Top all time. Oh, Sorry. Oh no! I was just gonna say, like, like, like he is at the all-time um, uh, top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I bring up the, the the bit about the saloon and the Wild West and everything because he was sort of like this weird cowboy. And one of the things that I found, so the first thing that I found with Teddy Roosevelt versus cryptids is this thing he wrote, and it's called the Wendigo. And what it and it's weird. Teddy Roosevelt didn't we didn't have the terms back then that we do now. Mm-hmm. So, like, the Wendigo is a Native American spirit of cannibalism, which is super cool yeah. and deserves its own episode. Mm-hmm. But uh, good old Teddy had this habit of calling anything he didn't know what it was a goblin. So this is also published under the title A Goblin Story. And some of our listeners might have heard this, because I okay. when, when I got to look in, this was pretty well covered. 
Um, I even have it in a couple books here that I didn't mm. even realize I had it in, you know? Okay. But so he starts off, he's telling the story of a story. He's telling a story within a story from a friend of his named Bauman, mm. who is a mountain man. He has been all of his life. He gives Bauman a lot of credit because he says he must have believed what he said, for he could hardly repress a shudder at certain points of the tale. But he was of German ancestry and in childhood had doubtless been saturated with all kinds of ghosts and goblin lore. So many of the fearsome superstitions were latent in his mind. So he's kind of discrediting his witness, but whatever. And I think that's just more like silly 1800s-isms of, oh, those Germans. Right, yeah, those Germans with their Black Forest stories <laughs> and their brothers Grimm. Yeah. Yeah. So Bauman tells a story about when he was a young man up on the forks of the Salmon and the Wisdom Rivers. So they go, they're, they're, he's up there hunting and trapping for beavers, hmm. like you do as a mountain man. Oh, and, yeah. Um, yeah, so he talks about, he's up, he's headed up, they're headed up this valley, and it has a weird, evil reputation where, like, if anybody goes up there, they, they get killed. Hmm. Um, they find their remains, like, they found remains of prospectors. There's something about this, right? Okay, yeah. And so... We start off with, we start off about halfway through it when Bauman says during nightfall, um, so the first thing they notice is they make camp and their camp gets kind of torn apart and they think, oh, it's just bears, you know, we're, we're here in bear country, that's what it is. But right. it says the footprints of the beast were quite plain for, were quite plain at first and they didn't really pay any attention to them. So then they were, you know, trying to set it back up, but they realized they were weirder then. And then while they're making supper... Bauman looks up and he sees something out in the distance, but he couldn't really, he couldn't really tell. And he said he thought it looked like a bear walking on two legs. Hmm. Yeah. So what does that make you think of? Cause it's got weird feet and two legs. I'm saying it's a Bigfoot. I was, I was just going to say like, yeah, if it's something that has some sort of, uh, yeah. mostly bipedal motion, and ostensibly kind of like hairy and shaggy and furry, um, then probably taller than than the person of the day, the the human of the day. Then yeah, that that's definitely Bigfoot for me. Yeah, and so he sees this walking upright bear and tells his buddies about it, and they kind of make fun of him. And then it says, and then it goes on to say, and this is from the text: At midnight, Bauman was awakened by some noise, and he sat up in his blankets. As he did so, his nostrils were struck by a strong wild beast odor. And he caught the loom of a great body in the darkness at the mouth of the lean-to. Grasping his rifle, he fired at the vague, threatening shadow. But he must have missed, for immediately afterward he heard the smashing of underwood as the thing, whatever it was, rushed off into the impenetrable blackness of the forest and the night. Mm. And that's a big deal. It talks about, like, Bigfoot always smells. They call him Skunk Ape down in Florida, and it always talks about this weird accompanying odor. Not unlike right. giant snakes. Right, yeah. As we discussed, yeah, in, in the snakes episode. And so, Josh, I, 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 we're kind of cheating here. I pre-sent you this, but I just kind of want, I, I, I don't know, maybe if you want to take the, the reading helm for a minute. Yeah, and, uh, I'll just... Go ahead um, with that, that bit. Yeah, yeah. I'll, just, I'll just start off and um, read, a, read a couple bits, and then you just you just jump in and cut me off yeah, cool. whenever you feel Yeah, like. so remember, he's, he's seen a thing, he shot a thing, everyone's awake, and now he's gone back to bed. Okay. After this, the two men slept but little, sitting up by the rekindled fire, but they heard nothing more. In the morning, they started out to look at the few traps they had set the previous evening, to put out new ones. By an unspoken agreement, they kept together all day, 
and returned to camp towards evening. Okay, so I'm, a little, little spooky there, right? A little spooky like, there, yeah. A little yeah. ominous. All right, and, so, and then, okay, go ahead. On nearing it, they saw, hardly to their astonishment, that the lean-to had been torn down again. The visitor of the preceding day had returned, and in wanton malice had tossed about their camped kit and bedding and destroyed the shanty. The ground was marked up by its tracks, and on leaving the camp, it had gone along the soft earth by the brook, where the footprints were as plain as if on snow, and, after a careful scrutiny of the trail, it certainly did seem as if, whatever the thing was, it had walked off on but two legs. Ooh. Yeah. Spookiness. Spookiness. Which, like, I've... That's always the the sort of thing, right? Because I would... I've gone out camping many times and I really enjoy it. And there is always that sort of lingering fear of like, ostensibly I'm off here kind of on my own or if I'm with my buddies or, or whatever. Yeah. And then, and, and yeah, like you kind of tend to assume or, or just kind of take it for granted that like, okay, yeah, this is us. We're out here and like, sure, there's other animals, there's birds and like smaller critters and things like that. But yeah, when you go off for a hike or you go fishing and you come back to camp, you kind of expect that it's going to be as you left it. And so I, I can absolutely understand how freaky that would be, not only just to see see this like intentionally destroyed or what looks like to be intentionally destroyed, but also very clearly like footprints that show that this was a thing that walked on two legs. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a set of two. And I think like you're that saying- That freaked me too, the hell out. Yeah, but like too, I think out, out in the wilderness, you don't belong there. You know, it's not a place for mm-hmm. you to be. Like- right. It's cool to go camping. It's cool to get out and everything. And I'm and I'm not saying nature isn't amazing, but it's like, dude, we just so don't belong there. And even I, I, right, I'm sure that Bauman belonged there a little bit more than you or I would. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, oh, oh hands <laughs> hands down. I think that kind of speaks to the credibility of this. Like, he yeah. was, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, yeah. and 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 he having lived out in the mountains in the frontier, yeah, like that that requires a certain. T- type of individual or personality and you get kind of hardened and um used to seeing some kind of grim gruesome stuff so if even yeah. he's kind of freaked out by this then i think that absolutely yeah speaks yeah. to speaks to uh, some shit went down yeah and so then it talks about the next day um they just kind of laugh it off like yeah there's there's nothing we're just we're just being crazy you know hmm. um and they kind of laugh it off it even says our fears seemed absurd in the in the sunlight which I think is pretty reasonable. But so then um, Bauman goes out to check some traps in the beaver pond and finds one. And he has to repair it. And um, after, and after he repairs it, he realizes it's getting kind of dark. And he heads back to camp. The fire had gone out, though the thin blue smoke was still curling upward. Near it lay the packs wrapped and arranged. First, Bauman could see nobody, nor did he receive an answer to his call. Stepping forward again, he shouted, and as he did so, his eyes fell on the body of his friend, stretched beside the trunk of a great fallen spruce. Rushing toward it, the horrified trapper found the body that was still warm, but the neck was broken. There, while there were four great fang marks in his throat. So, something killed Bauman's buddy. Oof. With four great fang marks, and... Yeah, I don't know. I four great fang marks makes me think of gorillas, but I, it, you know, whatever, maybe a bear too. So yeah, 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 yeah. But definitely well, it, like a great ape. Mm-hmm. Um. So here he is, dead. Um. He had just sat down. Uh. So it says he's found his body, and um. 
Um, while thus waiting, his monstrous assailant must have been lurking nearby in the woods, waiting for a chance to catch one of the adventurers unprepared, came up silently from behind with long, noiseless steps and seemingly still on two legs. Evidently unheard, it reached the man and broke his neck by wrenching his head with its forepaw, while it buried his teeth in his throat. It had not eaten the body, but apparently romped and, romped and gambled around in an uncouth, ferocious glee, occasionally rolling over and over it, and then fled back soundless into the woods. And that, too, that makes me think of, like, you see chimps when they get a kill and they do that. They pound the right. ground, they spin uh -huh. around, they, they go kind of nuts. Mm -hmm. So here's Bauman, and this is the last little bit here. Bauman, utterly unnerved and believing that the creature with which he had to deal was something either half-human or half-devil, or some great goblin beast, abandoned everything but his rifle and struck off at a speed down the past, not halting until he reached Beaver Meadows, where the hobble ponies were still grazing. Mounting, he rode onward toward the night until far beyond the reach of pursuit. Mm. So, yeah, it's... I, yeah. I, sounds like a Bigfoot attack to me, and... I know we're going into this presupposing that Bigfoot is real, right? But well, yeah, or 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 something else. But yeah, so still some something. It's enough that like Teddy Roosevelt talked about it and left an impact on him, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so we're gonna go on from there to the his next little encounter, or, or not encounter. I guess you call it a brush or fascination or whatever with the weird Uki spooky. With the thing called the Ozark Howler, mm. have you have you heard of this one? The it, it kind of rings a bell, but um, yeah, I'm I'm always game to to get some more details about it. Yeah, so its habitat is the Ozark Mountains in Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Texas. So apparently, it's got a wide range. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a bear-sized creature with a thick body, uh, stocky legs, and black shaggy hair, and apparently, it has predominant horns. That's fun. Yep. <laughs> and there's this weird thing with, like, folk monsters in the South where a lot of them have horns. Like, I, I don't know if you've heard hmm. stories of, like, the goat man. Or, yeah. like, sheep squatch. It's like a big bipedal sheep. Yeah. And I wonder if that's not, like, a weird influence of, like, Christian uh, mythology, like, casting something scary as a devil. But. Right. You know, some horned deal. As I. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I'm just, like, still <laughs> ice in my beard and I can't get it out. <laughs> um, but yeah, so here's the Ozark Howler. Um, it, they call it they they call it the hoo hoo because apparently at night it will scream. Okay, and I guess yeah. it sounds like a hoo hoo. I don't I don't I don't know. Mm. I haven't I I don't know. It's it's fun. Right. Um, <laughs> and even like currently, um, in 2015, an Arkansas TV station reported on photographs, but they were to be a hoax, or they were determined to be a hoax. Mm. So, but you know, whatever, it's fine. Yeah, it's yeah. But so here we are. Um, so you know about Teddy's days in the in Cuba with the like the liberation of San Juan Hill. He charges up with his Rough Riders. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. So um, while one of his Rough Riders was a guy named John C. Greenway, and they were in Cuba together, and they were they were really good friends. He Greenway was super impressed by Roosevelt, and he told Teddy about the Ozark Howler initially. And he was the one that, you know, he said, hey, we've got this, we, there's there's this deal, it's called the Ozark Howler. Um, Greenway was from Hot Springs, Arkansas, not, which I also think was Bill Clinton's hometown. Oh. Weird connection. I, yeah, I yeah. think you're right. And so he, he told Teddy about the uh, Ozark Howler. 
And Teddy thought it was great. He and he even was quoted yeah. as saying, "It sounded like a bully good beast that embodied <laughs> a robust physical character of the growing American nation." Yeah. <laughs> All right, bald eagle, and don't oh. even at me with your like turkey, Ben Franklin. <laughs> no shit. I want a giant horned bear. That'd be so. That'd be such a great oh, national yeah. animal, national emblem, <laughs> national symbol. That'd be so great. <laughs> so. Apparently, there's a conservation group for this thing, and it's mm. called the the International Concatenated Order of Hoo-Hoo, a secret society dedicated to dealing with the danger possessed by the or posed by the Ozark Howler. Oh my God, that's so awesome! Roosevelt's position within this organization was president of American Forestry, and he was assigned with the responsibility of establishing protected zones of the territory where the Ozark Howler would be allowed to roam undisturbed and its population managed so that Howler ratifica- eradication efforts could be focused should be could be focused nearer on areas of human settlement. Now, is, yeah. what do you know about Teddy, Josh? Um, What's he... one of his big pushes? Yeah, one of his big push- pushes was to establish the National Park like service and yes. like then like carve out all these pieces of land for or at least what he would tell us would be for preservation and enjoyment and all that. Yeah. But, yeah. So like this is like weird like proto national park stuff. Yeah. I, I was just going to say like that almost sounds like a front. Like, yeah. That's just the cover story to like help people sleep at night. And sure. Like here's the little like campground area. That's never more than like a quarter mile from an actual road. But then who knows like what actually goes, goes on deeper and deeper in them hills. Yeah. So, Dang. and it, it goes on, and this is where it gets really weird. Like, as if, if as if it already wasn't kind of weird, right? Right, right. Apparently, this concatenated order of hoo-hoo is, like, the old is one of the oldest frater, uh, fraternal organizations in the United States. It's older than the Elks and the Rotary International Club. No way. The Ozark Howler serves as the symbol, and this is coming from OzarkHowler.net, by the way. I should have pointed this out. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ozark Howler that, that serves as the official symbol of the order is shown with a tail curved to make the shape of the number nine. Original dues were set at nine ninety nine, and for years membership was capped at nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine members. The order mm-hmm. followed the old beliefs of Ozark magic regarding the number nine as a kind of hex or protection against the Ozark Howler. Teddy Roosevelt's membership number was nine nine nine. Huh? Right. So he so he was like the the guy. He was the guy. It goes on to say that on October twenty fifth, two thousand or sorry, October twenty fifth, nineteen oh five, Roosevelt visited Little Rock, Arkansas, where he met with the leadership of the Hoo Hoo. I'm just gonna call it the Hoo Hoo because it's more fun that way. <laughs> and this is and again, it gets even weirder here. You may have heard of this dude, Horace Greenleaf. He was a Presbyterian minister, and he was one of the like moral what do you call that? The moral watchdogs of the nation. Always, mm-hmm, yeah. you, you call him like a Pat Robertson today, or like yeah. Jerry Fall, Falwell. Um, yeah, he yeah, began yeah. a campaign of Christian protest with the goal of complete elimination of practices of related to the Ozark Howler. So this guy was like out for it too. So now you've got right. the, the, the President of the United States as well as this insane Christian dude fighting over it. Wow. Even if it's not real, like, holy shit, dude, there needs to be some type of more of bigger oversight in these deals. Yeah, there there has to be there has to be some sort of like weird connection about like yeah like 
an international global conflict about the hoo-hoo. <laughs> the hoo-hoo. Also kind of came to my mind is there is the, there's the band, The Who, and in their song, Who Are You, one of the refrains is like, who are you? Who, 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 who? So maybe like, maybe like instead of the whole like having to actually go through the extra steps of playing the Beatles like backwards, like, no, they're, they're just telling us. They're just telling us who that is there's it? some, yeah, who, who is it? Who, yeah. who, 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 and <laughs> I love it. <laughs> So it's so dumb. No, it's great. I love it. (laughs) So we close up this little chapter of Teddy and the uh, hoo hoo, Mm -hmm. and the story just sort of ends on March sixth, nineteen oh eight, when the Ozark National Forest was created by Roosevelt. And he said, he said that it, it's kind of fun. He said it was to protect the the range of an endangered species. No way. Two and a half years later, on March 6th, 1908, the National Forest was created by, or the Ozark National Forest was created by Theodore Roosevelt, using his power as president of the United States, in order to establish a wild area in which the Ozark Howler would be allowed to roam free, but under the control of the members of the consecrated order, con God, God damn it. Con- yeah, whatever ca- that thing is. Concantitated. Under, under the coup. The, the coup. The coup. Under the order of the coup. Um, who would be deployed undercover in disguise of lumberjacks cutting down timber. Oh, so wow. he's even as secret agents in the forest protecting the Ozark Howler. Or not right. secret agents, but like men operating clandestinely. Right, yeah. It's, yeah, there's a, yeah, there's there's some sort of like official story that gets put out to the public but then even like teddy's like kind of letting letting the mask slip a little bit where it's like well no like there is an endangered species that we're that we're going to keep an eye on and yeah and uh well that even makes me kind of think about all of these other all of these other national parks that are all over this this great land of ours um and like what sort of like regional variants or like what what sort of species are yeah um, yeah yeah kind of kind of within those areas or 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 um having to either yeah like it's either like you're not locked in there like we're locked outside to, or or something i don't yeah. know yeah I'm no it's going off no but it's the same thing it's like there's definitely stuff in the forests and oh, yeah. i don't care what you call it because you can call it whatever you want but everybody knows about it. Everybody talks. And I mean, I'm saying like, you know, like indigenous peoples or like yeah. folklore or mm-hmm. even legends and mythology. Like there's something in those woods. Don't go into the woods. Don't go into the woods at night. And maybe it is all made up, but like there is good reason for it because you don't belong there and they will murder your ass. And it's just they don't even care. Like, or, I, I, you know, the woods don't care. It's not... It might as yeah. well be an. It might as well be its own elemental force. Like it's not a hurricane, but come on, man! It'll throw whatever. It'll drop a tree on your head. Like borrow a phrase from Lavar Burton. Like you don't have to take our word for it. <laughs> if you go out camping, like if you go out camping, even if it is like car camping or whatever like that, and as soon as the sun goes down and you're in your sleeping bag or something like that, like you know, you just you just have that feeling where it's like I'm not I'm not the only um 
half sapient being out here. Like yeah. there's 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 definitely some stuff that's kind of keeping an eye on me and it's like making sure like 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 as was the case with Bauman, right? Like yeah. maybe he's like kind of sniffing around camp and just kind of like flinging stuff around just to see what's going on. Learning like yeah. Yeah, learning all those all those first first contacts, I guess if if you will, first, first encounters. That's and then insane, yeah. Yeah, and then you just got to hope that you don't accidentally make this thing too mad and then it comes back and throws <laughs> yeah. it and like throws you around and like plays like hacky sack with you or whatever. Yeah, right. We <laughs> <laughs> have two occurrences now and yeah, they're both secondhand accounts. Teddy getting like some really good cryptozoology information, right? You got the mm-hmm. Howler, you got Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. And now I want to get a little maybe esoteric with it, but um, I'm going to pull my next little bit here from the awesome book that I have plugged before, Monsters in Print by Adam Benedict. And mm-hmm. he's a follower of the show. I don't know if he listens, but he's at least following. So that's kind of neat. Oh, nice. That's very nice. So this was reported to the uh, Morning Tulsa Daily World on April 2nd, 1922, right? All right. Um, a guy named John Barrett, who was the late director of the Pan-American Union. Remember, Teddy Roosevelt, he was real big. He, he was instrumental in building the Panama Canal. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this was like his weird, uh, just one of the several huge undertakings and legacy of this man, right? So here's the story from about this guy, John Barrett, uh, the late director of the Pan-American Union and minister to Argentina during President Roosevelt's administration, has just disclosed that part of Colonel Roosevelt's expeditionary plans are hitherto have been untold. So I don't know if you know this. I learned this during my massive Roosevelt dump, which sounds worse than it is. <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt led an expedition. It's called the River of Doubt Expedition. From 1913 okay. to 1914, he led an expedition to find a missing river in Brazil. Hmm. And he found it. No way. Yeah, and we'll get into that in just a minute here. But so uh, this is, this is um, from a cable from Barrett. And it says that Martin Sheffield... An American of whom I have personal knowledge had reported that he had seen what appeared to be a plesiosaurian monster or a huge amphibian swimming through the waters of a southern Andean jungle lake. I recall that nearly 20 years ago in November 1903, while I was minister to Argentina, and he makes a point to say this, a clear-headed typical American prospector and explorer means he was probably drunk, (laughs) whose name I have forgotten. Which, okay. Oh God! Okay, yeah. And well, okay, and it gets a little weird, but just just bear with me here, right? Okay. Um, came to the legation and convincing way, proceeded to relate to me a story almost identical with what is now reported and told by Sheffield. So, or he has told the story to the effect that he had seen swimming in the lake a giant, huge lizard with a curved neck. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So. Teddy Roosevelt hears about this. Right. And he gets super horned up for this mayhem. (laughs) (laughs) Right? He channels that, yeah, that wizard energy. Yeah. So they locate it in Patagonia. Okay. It's located in Patagonia in Argentina, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so um, Barrett comes back to America to meet with the president. And the first thing that happens, and I want you to picture this, right? Okay. He walks into a cabinet meeting at the White House, right? Mm-hmm. Walks in, and the first thing that Roosevelt says, well, old Pan Am, where's your Argentine amphibian, and what happened, and what has happened to... 
calling out the man's name. He does this like in front of everybody. <laughs> the first like, thing he says, not ah oh, yes, welcome, taxes. welcome yeah. back, man. Yeah, like how are the Panamanian people? Are is is my canal going well? It's hey, man, where's your giant lizard? Did you kill one yet? <laughs> so everyone leaves the room. After departing of the others, the president for half an hour discussed as an enthusiastic naturalist and scientific and scientist the possibility of there being some huge surviving amphibian descended from the ancient plesiosaurs and actually took stock, so to speak, in the story of the American prospector. I mentioned this incident to Secretary Loeb as I left the president's office, and he may still recall that conversation. Okay, so yeah, like trying to like get some cooperating, yeah. yeah. This was before Teddy's expedition, right? And yeah, he, yeah, yeah. and instead, of, and I know, I know what you're thinking. Like, well, he's in Argentina, not Brazil, right? Mm-hmm. That's where he found his river. And so the reason that Roosevelt gives is that if he went, he was planning this expedition to South America anyway. He had lost his third run as president. He was bored as shit, looking for something to do. He already, he's already awesome, right? Right. But so he needs something to do because he's super, super bored. So what he does is he decides to take this expedition and this guy barrett i think is a weird influence on him but he um made the choice to go to brazil and he said because he had heard rumors of a river and he said finding a river is a lot more important than finding a single animal because finding an animal is just going to draw unwanted attention but finding a river is like you're you're connecting people you're opening up trade right it's a necessary thing Mm -hmm. but here's what i think almost everybody on the expedition died he lost a bunch of dudes he broke his leg oh, wow. by trying by jumping into a river and trying to stop t- his two other canoes in his party by like beast moding these two canoes backwards with him. <laughs> he broke his leg. He got sepsis. It goddamn near killed him. Like oh jeez. And even I th- and some of the stuff I was going into on him say that this is probably what really killed Roosevelt because he died of a fever later on in life. That whoa yeah okay. yeah it is okay. said, some of the stuff I was reading said that he never really recovered it hmm. or recovered from it right right yeah but here's my theory and we're gonna get real weird I don't think he was I, I he was he was definitely out for this thing mm-hmm. or, or out for this uh, for the expedition for the river but in Brazil in my research and it doesn't really count because I sort of already knew about this because I'm a nerd for this. There is a thing in Brazil, and it's one of their, like, local cryptids. They call it a mapping wari. Okay. Okay. It's a big bipedal creature, not unlike a Bigfoot, mm-hmm. that is said to have, like, a weird square head and big, big bulky body and a mouth in the middle of its stomach. Oh, wow. It's a, it's a thing there. And even I was going through some, like, video feeds from National Geographic, and a girl had... Uh, it was a National Geographic show. It's like Monster Hunter or something. But she right, had told right. the story of being attacked by one of these Mahwapanwari. Ma- oh, wow. Mapinwari. I don't know how you say it. Whatever. Uh, the Mapinwari. And uh, she tells a story about it. And she says it was big. It had like long matted fur. had these great mm. big claws. Um, and it was standing up on two legs. But there's this other thing. And you know me, Josh. I'm a big believer that time is short anyway. Right. Right. Do, do you know what have you heard of the megatherium sounds super familiar but go ahead it's a giant ground sloth yes that's they right. lived that's during, right that's right they they existed during the last ice age up to we think about four thousand years ago they were in like the lower half underneath brazil of south america right 
Okay, yeah. Yeah. But it was these just really tall, they were they could be like 20 feet tall. That was the biggest mm-hmm. fossil we right. found. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big long claws. They lived out in the jungles and on the like savanna prairie lands of South America, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason they went extinct is because humans started to kill them off. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I think it's totally reasonable that they just pushed northward and eastern into Brazil. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's where you get these weird uh, folktales from. But it's... And as I was going through this, I found an article from the uh, Baltimore Sun where they have found this um, DNA from this thing, from a, sw- from a sloth believed to be 8,500 8, years old, and it's one of these uh, megatherium. Okay. And they think that that might actually, that that it could just be a holdover of, like, one of them that never died. Like, it, you know, or, or not one, just it's a colony of them. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's totally that. Or not totally, mm-hmm. but, like, it's a holdover population of Ice Age megafauna. Right. Yeah, and, the, and, and, and it, like, of course, it, would, it makes sense if, like, there's some environmental pressures that, like, they're getting hunted in this area that they just kind of push into whatever deeper part that's away from... Yeah, that yeah, I'm yeah, I'm, but I'm on board. Yeah, and I mean it's it's the Amazon rainforest, like shit, dude. There's tribes in there we don't know about, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, m- much less like the the multitude of animals that that we don't know, or even plants that we don't know about yet. Yeah, there's yeah, even totally. like full on. Which which which, like a person listening might might think like, okay, but really like a like a upwards of twenty foot tall animal like we're we're not going to see any evidence of that but just like you're saying like there are entire like villages and like tribal yeah, systems that absolutely yeah so no that makes that makes that and seems so, yeah, completely I, completely plausible to me and it's my weird conspiracy theory that teddy roosevelt he was a naturalist and he did spend time in south america he would know all about the or not all about it but he would hear stories about it because, you know, he, he collected tales like this anyway. He It was his jive. He yeah. was into it. He's going to know about this. I think he opted to take that expedition to Brazil to find one of these things and kill it. Yeah. That's my weird, like, esoteric connection to maybe he wanted to go on the expedition to find the river. But I think he wanted to, like, capture one of these alive. He's heard about these things all through his life. Maybe he believes in them. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. Right. He is a man of science. But at the same time, like... God, to be alive in the 1900s when scientific knowledge was changing it, like, just weekly, you know? Like, yeah. Origin of the Species came out in, what, like, 1880-something, I think, or something weird? Yeah. Yeah, yeah like... It sounds about right. Something weird, yeah. But so, he's doing this, and he goes, and, and he launches an expedition to find this thing. I know he says he's going for the river, but I think he was after giant ground sloth. Which which would also kind of fall in line with uh, going back to the national parks, right? This is the cover story. Like I'm like I'm telling you that this is what I'm doing, but like really, maybe yeah. there's, there's this ulterior motive going on. Which yeah, of course he that that also seems completely reasonable that he'd say no. I'm I'm just gonna go look for this lost river that we think is there, but then secretly yeah bring bring like a bunch of guns and bullets with him. <laughs> <laughs> all the guns and bullets like yeah. Wow, Teddy, you know, as we're loading up this, uh, like, steamer over here, just noticing crates and crates and crates of ammunition. <laughs> like, what's what's all this about? And then, yeah, just that magnificent bastard, toothy grin, these goddamn glasses. <laughs> and, like, I'm, I'm sure as he's also, like, giving the story, like, he just has somebody in a headlock. Like, <laughs> Punching him in the face. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and so and somebody and, and the guy's punching in the face is um uh what did he break up the the, the trust it has trust written on the side of him it's the oh, shitty yeah. political pencil cartoon it's just trust yeah that's yeah <laughs> just like just like giving like body shots to yeah. some 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 hapless porter who's trying to carry all these like crates on on board it's like come on let's those are American bullets boy they're the bulliest thing you can get. <laughs> And oh, so, man. where am I going with this? I'm going to go a little bit, I, I want to get a little bit weirder. Alright. So, Teddy Roosevelt, and this is where I kind of came to the conclusion. Um, This is why I want to kind of bring it to a conclusion. I don't know if Roosevelt believed in these things or not. But what, right. one thing I do know is he was sort of an imperialist and was all about American expansion, right? <clears throat> mm-hmm. yep. We have evidence of that in the Panama, Panama Canal, right? Yeah. But we also have Teddy Roosevelt, like the conservationist. And, like, while he was president, he established 150 national forests, 51 federal bird reserves, four national game preserves, five national parks, and overall 230 million acres of public land. Right? Right. And that's just in America. And so if he has to lie about it and say he's doing it to, like, protect the Ozark Howler, cool. But I also kind of wonder if this little – if the expedition into South America – wasn't sort of like he could see the way that the tides were turning maybe uh, maybe and like he was he already fought the spanish in cuba mm-hmm. so what's to stop him from kicking the spanish out of south america right right he got the panama canal you already have the gateway and so mm-hmm. what if we can just start annexing land in south america as like under the guise of no it's a game preserve it's it's a national park this is the first, this is the Amazonian National Park of Brazil, you know, like. Oh, yeah. And then, and, th- and that's it. Like, I don't know. And I, I, I wonder how much of it was that, that he just wanted the excuse to do it. And mm-hmm. like I said, he did run for a third term as president under the Bull Moose Party. It screwed sure, up yep. the GOP, which was great because Taft <laughs> flipped his literal shit. <laughs> but then he ended up losing, whatever. But mm-hmm. like. If, if, so he takes a year, a couple, he takes a term off as president, and then he comes roaring back with, all right, now here's what we're doing next. We're going to invade South America. They've got all yeah. this land it needs protecting, you know? And yeah, like it, it could have very well been like a bit of like reconnaissance, kind of scoping out the, scoping things out. I'm, I'm, oh, totally. I can almost And even guarantee. like his big thing is he was super egotistical about being on the front line. Like the charge yeah, of right. San Juan Hill wasn't like brave. It was kind of a shitty thing because he put himself and a lot of other people in danger. Yeah. But at the same time, it was just so fucking heroic and American. Yeah. And so yeah. why not to, like, I'm going to go down to Brazil. I'm going to find this river that people say might be there. No, mm-hmm. no, fuck you. Like, I'm Teddy well, Roosevelt, bud. Well, As and, he's punching and, trust in the side. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, and and like you were talking about, uh, yeah, like like the importance of like having a river system for like transporting goods and things like that. I yeah. think that also lends some credibility where it's like, all right, so we're we'll kind of like move move up the river and, and, and have these little outposts and like trading trading spots and and all that stuff, too. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure that conversation um, occurred where like. There's they're sort of talking back and forth and, and like writing up maps and figuring out supply chains and stuff like that. So that so yeah. that there could be some sort of some sort of presence or colony established or just hey, welcome to new new America or whatever. <laughs> welcome to the new new world. 
oh or if nothing else like he got tired of killing all of the things in africa and killing all the things in north america so he just like was turning his sights to uh and that's sort of where i take it to too like Mm -hmm. i mean i'm sure that while he was like in panama and stuff like with the canal i'm sure he like murdered countless like capybaras and jaguars and every other thing (laughs) and and again like uh, is it worth it to kill something so that everybody can see it or maybe catch it and there's no way you're going to get it back to america Eh, shoot it in the head and we'll stuff it like right and then yeah some weird kid in new york goes ah geez ma look at that crazy sloth thing like and then that kid decides that that kid gets then the spark to like hey man it was cool to see that as a kid but it's super fucked up as an adult and we need to be protecting these things and you know you inspire conservationalism and so like and again i said i didn't want to talk about like the the evil or goodness of teddy roosevelt because for me definitely i think the bad outweighs the good and you can't view it through today's scope because then it's sure you're right yeah then you're losing the totally messes up yeah, you're losing the mop and worry through the forest, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. But that's where I'm at. Yeah. Like, that's that's Roosevelt and cryptids. He's zero and three. But at least for one of them, or at least for two of them, he was there on the ground. I I bet you you look for the Ozark Howler. Oh, yeah. Even, oh, yeah. even if it was just like, oh, I've got to take my 20 mile run for my morning constitutional as a boxer because I'm also a boxer. God damn it. <laughs> and he goes and like sprints, you know, open trails in the Ozarks for 20 miles or something. Right, yeah. All the while yeah. punching trust in the side. Like, yeah, punch, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like... No, I, I like think... the idea of Teddy Roosevelt cryptid hunter. And you well, know that, like, he he spent tons of time... He established the national park system. Like, for mm-hmm. Christ's sake, he spent time out there. You know he was just dying to take a crack at Bigfoot. Oh, yeah. Th- those were all just like... Is it a coincidence that Yosemite National Park is such a big one? Hmm, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Maybe. Bluff Creek, where the Patterson-Gimlin film was filmed, was in California. Ooh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like an, could... a, a bulk of the stories of Bigfoot we hear from the Pacific Northwest. Why mm-hmm. are there so many national parks up there? I bet you it was Teddy. Like, yeah, yeah conservation, would... sure, but he really just wanted his own private game preserve. Right, yeah, he, he he was he was just kind of staking out like, all right, and then next month I'll be in I'll I'll be in this spot or or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I would appreciate if, yeah, like that that were the legacy of like cryptid hunting or crypt or cryptozoology instead of you know whatever you might find on the Discovery Channel or <laughs> like the History Channel nowadays, where it's like, all right, like instead of this like kind of like infrared cameras and some guy like pretending to do a call. No, like get out there and like, just, just run through the forest for yeah find like 20 miles. Yeah. Find it. Just like bring a bunch yeah, and then do that. That's something that I'd watch. Not this yeah, like quasi, sure. uh, we'll, we'll get our like EM readers and <laughs> go out there and check with the satellite uplink. It's like, no, go out there and do some pushups. This and, like, is Zach Baggins. We're finding Bigfoot. Right. Hey, Bigfoot, what... you suck. Are you in this forest, asshole? <laughs> that's the that's the spirit that we need to continue. Oh, hell yeah. Well, and yeah. to be fair, there are some. Um, Ivan T. Sanderson was a big one. There's this other guy named Nick Redfern who I've got like six of his books. Oh, dang. And he is a straight up boots on the ground. I'm going to yeah. find this damn thing. Cryptozoologist. Exactly. And even to Lauren Coleman, he's got the, he was the founder of the International Cryptozoology Museum in Portland, Maine. 
which I talked mm. about a couple weeks ago. It's a, yep, that's it's true. great. He's not so much anymore, but you know, like he was one of the first, like, I, I want to say the first thing he investigated was the Flatwoods monster sightings. Oh, wow. He was one of the first guys like there for that, or is, is that or the Dover demon? I forget, but like, mm. Straight up, he was there, boots on the ground, looking for this damn thing. Like, yeah, so I boots think on there's the ground, not yeah, not like a drone that's flying overhead or doing all that. No, like get out there. But too, and... there's also those like yeah, I'm sure you've seen or maybe not like the eagle cam footage, and it's like the mm-hmm. eagle's nest, and there's a couple weird like giant ten foot tall things lumbering shadowly through yeah. the woods on two feet in those. <laughs> or like Les Stroud picked up famously, he picked up uh, Bigfoot in the background. You know, like right, yeah. So, and again, maybe it's, maybe it's the spirit of the forest. Maybe it's the magic of the forest that man is not meant to understand. But if you're Teddy Roosevelt, he's going to put a fucking bullet in your spirit. Yeah. He's going to go He's going to find that spirit and quantify it. Yeah. Swinging and shooting. And he's, he's going to do as much damage as he can. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, Teddy Roosevelt versus cryptids. That's a, that's a, because I know there was the whole thing for a while, like, a A Blinken vampire hunter, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but like Teddy Roosevelt cryptid cryptid hunter would not only be so much better, but also like semi historically, like that sort of it would level. have some type of historical grounding. Yeah, yeah, like like the amount of speculative fiction you'd have to make is so much less than something like something like that. Or you take like the weird U turn, and then it's like Teddy Roosevelt versus the Mongolian death worm. Teddy yeah. Roosevelt in the wilds of Siberia, fighting the Mank V. <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt in the Orang Pandek. Tune in next week. <laughs> what sort of thrilling adventures will Teddy find himself in next time? Yeah. Oh, Teddy, you shot it in the head. Bully, my dear. Yeah. <laughs> I say, speak softly and carry a large sloth with you after you've shot it in the face. <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, oh, so I think man. that's as good a place as any to wrap up. That's Speaking perfect, softly yeah. and shooting sloths in the face. <laughs> you can find us at Two Wizards Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And we have a Gmail, too. And I might have pointed this out last week, and I might not have, because I don't remember what happened last week. But mm-hmm. our uh, actual tw- Twitter handle is Two Wizards Pod C, the number one. I don't know why it just is. That's the way it is. I'm sorry, guys. We try and try, but that, but the one beast that we can't take down is Twitter. The one beast I can't ever find is how to actually do social media. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad. Like, <laughs> oh man! You can find now, us there. I'm at Marky Stardust on Twitter and Great Great Greek Buffalo on Instagram, where you can see a lot of repeat posts from this podcast. <laughs> And one day, one yeah. day, maybe maybe all this ooky spookiness will uh, encourage me to to jump on this there social media, get a presence out there. Heck yeah! I don't know. I'm feeling in in addition to all this mayhem for which I am now horned up. Maybe that's <laughs> maybe that'll be my uh, whatever that Brazilian animal was because I Mopedwari. Yeah, maybe that's my Mopedwari. Is making an Instagram account. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Be fun. All right. Well, All right. I'm excited. I'm horned up. I'm horned up for October. I'm horned up oh, yeah. for more ooky spooky shit. I'm horned up for the October challenge. Yeah. I, the October challenge. I, there's so much to be horned up for. 
tell your friends. If you like us, tell people. If you don't like us, tell me, and I won't change, but I might write you an email in response. Yeah, <laughs> you never you never know. I got nothing to do. Seriously, like 20 hours of Roosevelt, Josh. I got nothing to do. <laughs> nothing to do. <laughs> well, hey, but 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 this is where we are now, and this is what we have now, and that is that is worth something. That's worth yeah. something. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Until next time, I'm Josh, and I'm a wizard. And I'm Mark, and I'm a wizard, and I'm horned up for all this bully mayhem. Bully. 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 <laughs> and then he rolled upon his back, and I punched him in the side. Bully! Bully! <laughs> Bully! <laughs> Bully! <laughs>